Um, so with that, I think we're going to start with a poll question um, just to kind of figure out who's on the phone. So um, it looks like today, um, majority of you were not working with pharmacy uh, prior to your 1815 funding. Um, so we have a lot to learn in this group today. So 27% uh, of you, so three of those states on the call were. Um, so perhaps there's some shared learnings you had coming into 1815. So we're excited to hear about that today. What approaches have been successful in recruiting and engaging pharmacies for grant projects? Um, and especially I think for those of us who weren't working with pharmacies beforehand, you know, what did you do under this funding stream to really help um, get um, pharmacies engaged? I know in New Mexico, it's been a challenge. Um, so I'm going to stop there and let people hopefully contribute to the conversation. Well, I can mention in Montana, one of our most successful um, strategies or approaches for recruiting was to involve the former president of the State Pharmacy Association because he knew everybody, including community pharmacists. So he could just hand recruit. We also were working with a consulting pharmacist who had worked with other um, pharmacies in Montana for the past, I'd say like seven years. And so he just knows them and can just call them, email them to say, hey, we're doing this project, are you interested? And that's really been the way that we've been able to get the pharmacies on board. So it sounds like there was a combination of a personal relationship and a champion. Um, yes. Someone who is willing to you know, advocate for this work and support it, you know, by at least saying, telling other pharmacists about it. Other, other successful approaches. In South Dakota, I actually had an SMBP funding opportunity that was open and had a pharmacist um, reach out to me to see if they would be eligible to implement SMBP in pharmacies. And he is the co-luminary for our South Dakota CPESN. And so he was able to connect us with the CPESN as well. And then we were able to reach out to various pharmacies to implement SMBP, DPP, and a few other um, projects through the CPSN. And all that was a result of having that open SMBP funding opportunity. So, uh, Rachel, how did that um, pharmacist originally hear about the SMBP funding? Um, I'm trying to remember. I had it um, posted in several different places, newsletters and whatnot. But I think the way that he heard about it was that I presented at like a chronic disease partners meeting about a pilot site where we had implemented SMBP. And he was attending that chronic disease partners meeting. And I think that's mm -hmm. what intrigued him. And um, before pharmacy, he did a lot of grant work and um, research type of things. And so he had that background already. And I think hearing about the success we had in, in this other location is what interested him. I can jump in. Uh, I'm Ann Gargano Med from Wisconsin. Um, and I think that working with, with pharmacies has probably been our um, most successful because we've been working with the Pharmacy Society of Wisconsin. And I don't know if that's a, 
I'm, I'm newer to this work since coming to DHS. So I don't know if that's a, a like an entity that exists in every state or if that is unique to Wisconsin, but our pharmacy society is really excellent and they have so many relationships with community pharmacies across the state. And so we fund them and then they've been, you know, doing different MTM projects for us and um, also even working with, with community health workers and, and a number of different um, DSMES. And so um, they've been able to engage the pharmacies. They have really close relationships with them. And then they have been kind of leading up the projects to, you know, kind of recruit these different um, pharmacies in areas that we think are higher priority. And then working with them to kind of implement um, these programs and evaluate them and give uh, kind of regular education and support and set up all the infrastructure for them. So it's, it's been a really good experience for us. And we found that the pharmacies have been um, the most uh, eager to jump on and do new projects with us uh, lately, particularly like during COVID where we were getting a lot of no's from clinics, even though pharmacies I think have been equally, if not some cases even more so stressed over the last couple of years, so just pressure to do a lot of things around COVID, they've still been willing to jump in and try some of these projects with us, which has been pretty cool. That's great. And you have the CHWs kind of going to the pharmacies and first engaging with the pharmacists there? We've been working on kind of setting up partnerships in a couple of different places where they're kind of doing a bi-directional uh, referral type deal. So if a pharmacist is seeing a, a, a patient that could really use some additional assistance, they are able to refer them to the CHWs. And then also um, we have some CHWs. This is primarily happening in the Milwaukee area, which is you know a bigger city for us, but also some other areas where then um, maybe they're working with a, a patient who needs a self-measure wants to do self-measure blood pressure to so to get them a monitor they'll refer them to um, the pharmacy so they're able to kind of communicate with each other and we've also been doing some training because we have some pharmacies that are interested in actually having a chw housed in their their pharmacy so we're working with a couple of them to get their pharmacy techs trained up to become to become chws themselves okay great well that sounds very I, I like that idea. <laughs> um, any other ideas, um, not ideas, uh, any other successful approaches that people have found? Um, Carrie, do you want to mention how we use the pharmacy assessments for recruiting leads? Yes, I will. Um, as Christelle mentioned, um, we've been doing um, pharmacy and pharmacist assessments um, since the 1305 grant. And um, in the we ask questions about MTM and a lot of different <clears throat> questions um, for other programs other than the cardiovascular health program. And at the end of the um, survey, we asked them if they'd be interested in working with the state on you know, whatever project we have, MTM or whatever it is. And so um, we've actually had a pretty good response from um, pharmacies that way. And they would, and then we would tell them about the project and we would send them the funding notices and things like that. <coughs> and it has worked well because we were able to um, get new partners, um, pharmacies that we haven't worked with in the past. So that has helped. Um, so I'd say I'm, I'm, in terms of getting the pharmacy assessment out to the pharmacist, how do you do that? So how do you? The, we, it's a mailed survey. We have our Department of Labor and Industry has a list of pharmacy, uh, community pharmacies and pharmacists, and that's how mm -hmm. we get the information from mm -hmm. them. And then we had a partner at the SCAG School of Pharmacy in Missoula. Mm -hmm. And she had a list of community pharmacies, and that was our original um, approach in 1305. 
um, and when we reached out to her, she also um, helped um, get us um, linked together with community pharmacies that way as well. All right, well, let me go on to the next question then. Um, and that's, we've talked about this a little bit, but um, the involvement, um, how have you all involved the State Pharmacy Association or the School of Pharmacy in this work? And did anybody find other groups helpful? Um, Anne mentioned the CHWs, um, and we have talked a little bit about the Pharmacy Association, the School of Pharmacy, but anything, other groups or any other examples of how the association or the um, schools of pharmacy have helped? Um, we have in Montana something that I don't know how unique it is, but the School of Pharmacy has a group called IFARM, which stands for Improving Health Among Rural Montanans. So they take this um, student pharmacy or pharmacy students and one of the professors out on the road, they prearrange doing a screening and it might be partnering with a pharmacy, a clinic, um, a senior center, a wellness group, and then they'll do health screenings. Um, it can do, include blood pressure, cholesterol, lipids, um, A1C and others. And then they'll do some brief consults and refer back to the provider if needed. So they've been doing that for a while and through the 1817, we've also helped to fund their work. Tiffany, I'm in North Dakota. We have also engaged our health system pharmacist leads. So um, we have five large health systems in our state. And so engaging in the lead uh, pharmacy staff there to try to figure out what we can do to help patients that are maybe transitioning out of the hospital or are getting new meds um, and are filling them at the pharmacies within the hospital. So we've been working a lot with that. And through that process, we've also added ambulatory care pharmacists. So pharmacists that are stationed within the uh, actual clinic setting. So they're there to consult with both patients and providers as they have questions. There's a chat, Laura. Um, yeah. So Wendy is saying that in Delaware, they can contract with the Delaware Pharmacist Society to provide MTM. And next year going to connect it to Healthy Hearts Ambassador Blood Pressure Self-Monitoring Program. And there's also um, the consideration for Umbrella Hun concept for oh. sustainability pieces. Sorry, I can't I, type I, very, very well, <laughs> Umbrella Hub. Uh, can we put up the second poll question? So what other groups, this is kind of related to the previous discussion question, besides School of Pharmacies and State Association of Pharmacists have been helpful in engaging pharmacies. So a lot of consulting pharmacists, not as much with local health departments. Um, Family Pharmacy Network, I know the other colleagues from Montana may have not noted this, but we actually have been using the Family Pharmacy Network. It's an email distribution list of community pharmacists that are part of family pharmacies. So that's been one way that we were able to get them to um, apply. We just email it to them directly. Thanks. All right, uh, for those who mentioned, or the two people who mentioned local health departments, can you explain how you involve them? I can jump in there. So um, we have, have been doing an MTM project with, um, in partnership with two of our local health departments. So um, uh, they have then created this partnership with their local pharmacies and then with the Pharmacy Society of Wisconsin to do this MTM project where they reached out 
in particular to Medicaid patients. Um, and, uh, and then the health department kind of helped with some of the administrative parts of it, um, like sending out um, kind of incentives to patients for, do, for doing their MTM visits and, um, and then also helping with social determinants of health um, issues. So if things came up, they were able to then, uh, are able to make a referral over to the health department and then they help to connect those patients with resources since it's a little bit out of the pharmacist wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of just been like a, I guess like a triangle partnership of, of the pharmacy society, the, the local pharmacy and the health department working together on these projects. That's nice. And then for the, the three that mentioned other, can you specify, um, give an example of what are the types of groups? So Delaware, much like I think Montana said, we've generated a list of independent pharmacies or community pharmacies um, because we find that they are much more interested and willing to exactly. engage. Um, mm -hmm. And it's less of a, a process, legal process to get them involved in doing projects with us. So um, we just went around, it was fun. We went around for two months and visited every single independent pharmacist in our state and wow. um, met the pharmacist and shook their hand and started a network that way. Nice. Yeah, that's a great idea. And we, we found the same, we haven't done the on the road trips, but um, we did find with our 1305 project that we could barely get any interest from those larger chain pharmacies the only ones for the most part were Shopco's because a regional manager was interested in having all of his Montana Shopco's participate. And then, you know, like four years later, they all went out of business. So that kind of lost that relationship. Oh. Right. Any other comments on that particular poll question? Christelle, I know this isn't related huh? to the 1815, but maybe you can talk about our um, platinum silver project and how we worked with the employee health at the state health department. Yeah, the and this was probably like 10 years ago, 10, 15 years, but we started off with a, a, a professor from Skag School of Pharmacy and our state of Montana healthcare benefits division, and they were interested in doing something related to blood pressure management for um, the insured members from the, the state of Montana. So the workers. So we started off with um, a blood pressure kit that included an automated cuff, some educational materials, a pedometer, and then the, the pharmacist at Skaggs would be doing the consults. Originally, she was trying to do them in person, but she lives, you know, like three hours away, two and a half hours away. So she ended up having to do some of them virtually. And we tried to engage other community pharmacists to be those consulting pharmacists. Um, it worked a little bit, but it was really hard to, to keep that piece of it going. And then it turned out that after about five years, it became sustainable in that the state of Montana took that project on. Um, they're doing something more virtual, and um, which is fine with us. It doesn't require collecting and get and sending out the blood pressure kits, but it seems to be working for them. So we were happy with that. We were able to kind of give them a push to get something going for blood pressure. Okay, let's move on to the next discussion question. And this one, um. Let's get this out there. Okay, uh, we mentioned this a little bit, but the Community Pharmacy Enhanced Services Networks, or CPESN, um, in Montana, we're not one of the states that has it. I was looking up on their website, and it looks like there are about 48 networks, um, 45 networks, but there are uh, eight states that don't have one, including ours. And so I'm really not that familiar with them, and I'm interested in those that have worked with CPESN. Um, how did you get that relationship going? How did you even know um, who to contact? And what are they doing with your grant projects? 
I can speak a bit um, around Colorado's experience with CPESN. Um, one of the partners, and this also kind of ties into the last question about engagement. Um, one of uh, our partners is uh, RX Plus um, Pharmacy Network, and um, and they are their um, their lead uh, is also a um, is also kind of the CPESN uh, head uh, or not head, but kind of representative for Colorado. Um, and so that's kind of how we've linked in with CPESN um, and kind of, I think Skaggs Pharmacy is also doing some work um, supporting pharma community pharmacies on Flip the Pharmacy um, with CPESN. So um, there's a lot of different ties there. Uh, I, as an evaluator, receive data three times annually from CPESN on the, e from the e-care um, e vendors or from the eCare platforms. Um, and so we've got a data sharing agreement with, with CPSN for that. Um, but uh, there's a lot of overlap, I think, between what the pharmacy is doing and what, what this grant is, uh, is seeking to achieve. Can you explain Flip the Pharmacy a little more? Um, I am not kind of in depth with Flip the Pharmacy. I, um, but I think it does, uh, it does, kind of work to um, to mod to. It just really kind of hone in on workflows um, for uh, within the pharmacies to uh, enable patient care work um, or provision of services. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't feel uh, I don't feel uh, like I can speak to it much beyond that. <laughs> That's good. Thanks. This is Laura with Indiana, and we have worked with them also. We got connected through South Dakota, North Dakota, or somebody. Um, so we got connected, um, which was awesome. Um, we did not know about the network. Um, so through the network, we were able to find a local um, individual to talk to and get connected to some local pharmacies um, to start working with and doing some things with. So that was an awesome. Um, connection to make. Great. Anybody else made a connection yet? Okay, well, if you haven't, um, I encourage you to take a look at the CPSN website because there is a map that shows which of the states have an existing network and maybe you can get a lead through your school of pharmacy on, on who to contact. Okay, so let's move on to the next topic which is um, kind of what have been the biggest barriers in maintaining partnerships with community pharmacies? And if you did find the barriers, how were they addressed? So I'll just throw that out there. I know in South Dakota, we've run into some challenges just because those small community pharmacists, pharmacies only have maybe one pharmacist or maybe two. They're very small, locally owned um, organizations. And so, once COVID hit with all the immunizations and all of the other uh, additional tasks that our pharmacies were taking on, it really was a challenge to have the time available to meet with them and, and then feel like they can meet with us because of capacity issues. We've also had some changes in our state with the number of pharmacy techs that a pharmacist can have assigned to them. 
it used to be that we could have a ratio of three to one and it's changed to four to one. So we've had some competition where pharmacies take our farm techs from the other facility and then we run into staffing issues that way. Um, so what we've tried to do is really be as lenient as we can when it comes to collecting data and having requirements for them as far as reporting or whatever it might be, just to be understanding when it comes to the barriers that they're facing. And I think CDC has been pretty accommodating as well because they know we're all dealing with these challenges. But I think the pharmacists have been very receptive to continuing to work with us and very willing to continue to partner as long as we're able to figure out exactly how to make it work with the, the workflow issues that they're dealing with. So we just have to be patient and work together and it seems to seems to be working um, when we face it that way good yeah we found we had to be flexible with um, some of the requirements for projects so um, as we went along they it was becoming more difficult to get the minimum number of patients to recruit for a project so we had to lower that amount we did increase the funding but this is back in the 1305 project when we were doing a team up pressure down um, we started off with like one or $2,000 and then we increased it to 5,000. And I think that um, helped to engage more community pharmacies in the project. I know that um, having Jimmy, our consulting pharmacy has really helped us um, build that strong relationship with community pharmacies. And he kind of leads the way um, and he's able to talk the talk with the pharmacists. So that has helped. When we worked with the Montana Hospital Association pharmacist, and having them help recruit um, some um, pharmacies for our project, for especially our MTM projects. So that, that has really helped as well for recruiting. Yep. Great, thanks. Any other state where you've encountered some barriers that you were able to figure out? A lot of our pharmacy sites are doing multiple programs that we have offered. And so that provides them with an opportunity to receive reimbursement in multiple areas. And we know that reimbursement is a big concern for our pharmacies, especially those small mom and pop shops. So the more opportunity they have to provide services that we're able to reimburse for and the, through those programs, I think that's been helpful too, because um, we know that money can be a big motivator when it comes to those mm -hmm. smaller facilities, especially. So having the opportunity to work on multiple projects, I think has has helped yep. even though sometimes time can be an issue, but if they're able to combine different projects and in, into one, then it makes it a little bit easier mm -hmm. to address. Yeah, we've done that with um, our MTM project, 1815, uh, where they are required to do blood pressure, cholesterol, and diabetes. Um, sometimes that's too much, but uh, other times they might be able to do a sequential project. So they might do blood pressure one year and they get funded for diabetes and then maybe even asthma. So then they can have multiple sub-awards from us at 5,000 each. So that's been helpful, I think. Anybody else? I was gonna share one other, one other challenge is yeah. a little bit that I think some of the things we're asking these pharmacies to do are a little bit different than maybe what business as usual is. So like um, for the MTM project where we're asking them to take a push list and call these patients and try and get them to show up. Um, uh, there has been some frustration, uh, particularly one of our pharmacists where there were like a lot of no-shows and it was just like, 
that was just not something she's super used to versus like those of us in public health were like, you put on a program, you better hope that, you know, and you just kind of know that's the way it goes. So it's been a lot of coaching to like help her understand that, like, that's totally normal. This is what you can expect with this population. Here's the other things that are going on for them and why they might not show up and don't take it personally. Um, So I think that's just been um, part of the process, just helping them to kind of see why there's a value to it, to doing these projects, even though you may have some of these challenges like no shows and things that might be a little frustrating along the way. Yep. Oh, I did want to mention one other barrier we've encountered with the MTM project. We are asking a community pharmacy to work with a clinic in their community that isn't necessarily affiliated with them. And so they may not have an existing relationship. It's much more difficult to get that going or interest from both ends at the same time, even though they might be getting the $5,000. So we're having a little more difficulty with year five recruits in terms of getting that going, because we kind of got the ones that were interested a couple of years ago, and now it's getting harder and harder. So that's been something that we're working on, but we haven't necessarily figured it out yet. Um, certainly, if a CHC has a pharmacy in its clinic or you know in, in a different building, that that's an easy relationship um, to get going again. All right, let's move on. Um, I don't have another slide for this, but I have two questions that came up from the uh, registrants when you were entering questions. And one of them was on lessons learned. And I know that some of the states have worked with pharmacies and others haven't, but um, if you think back over the years, what other things have you learned about either recruiting or working with the pharmacies or pharmacists? I think um, this is Carrie from Montana again. I think the, the biggest thing was getting our foot in the door and having that relationship with our SCAG School of Pharmacy and um, getting that list, that starting list of community pharmacists, uh, pharmacies and then having her actually go out and um, say this would be a good one to work with or that one would be a good one to work with and getting that foot in the door and once we were able to show that um, our projects have worked um, getting the montana hospital associate or pharmacy associations um, president on board and doing a project he was able to recruit from there too so those were two big um, people that helped us push and get get us working in with pharmacies yeah, another way um, that you kind of can stay in, uh, in their notice is to go to their far- State Pharmacy Association conference. We've done that for several years. I think it's better in person. Uh, when we did that one virtually, we ended up getting no community pharmacists attending the virtual exhibit space. And mostly they were clinical pharmacists who we don't necessarily have projects with. So, um, but that's one way. Um, and another, Carrie, can you think of anything else on how we've engaged or kept the momentum going? Again, our consulting pharmacist, Jimmy, has been really, really good. And then getting on board when we had the Montana Hospital Association, he had the contact with a lot of these community pharmacies that has really got it going and and helped us. We had how many sub-awardees in year five? We had, um, or year four, we had a bunch of them this year and and getting that going um, and getting the word out. I think um, the newsletters, um, I think we put something in their pharmacy newsletter about our awards too. Our diabetes program at the state has an e-newsletter and the consulting pharmacist works with both our program and diabetes. And he writes at least quarterly um, something specific for pharmacists. So uh, blood pressure, diabetes, cholesterol runs the gamut. So that's another way for us to, to get noticed by them. 
And I guess an, another way to be noticed is um, when we do our pharmacy or pharmacist assessment, we send results back to them in an infographic form or tables oh, yeah. or whatever they want. Um, I think that keeps us in, you know, like, oh, wow, we did a survey and we got results back. Or at the end of a project yep. year, we'll send an infographic back about the results of the aggregate of everybody who participated in that project. Mm -hmm. Yep, that's another way. And then the, the infographic um, of the results of the project, the MTM project, can also be shared with the people you're trying to recruit so they can see, oh, yeah, I, I get it. But um, I know that um, the pharmacist I shared with for like a year three project was very appreciative that they could see an outcome of what they did. And we do see good improvements in metadherence and sometimes blood pressure control. Okay, and then the other question that came up from the registrants was um, successes or barriers with doing collaborative practice agreements. And in our state, we haven't had as much success. I would say it's the clinical pharmacists who are interested in or, or outpatient pharmacists in doing a CPA with a clinic that's in their own health system. That seems like an obvious um, thing to do. We have not yet gotten any community pharmacies to say that they want to do that with an, a clinic they're not affiliated with. So I'm, I'm interested if anybody else has done that. This is Tiffany in North Dakota. We have a student pilot project. So students are rotating out as P4 students. So year four uh, pharmacy mm -hmm. students are rotating in community pharmacies. And this last year in year four of 1815, we had five students get collaborative practice agreements signed between a community pharmacy and wow. uh, a, a practicing provider um, and one of them with a full clinic. So the That's students great. are initiating the conversations and using a draft provided by the pharmacist association. And then of course, customizing that based on what uh, they want the actual pharmacy to be able to work on. So it's really exciting, um, but we have a total of 75 collaborative practice agreements in our wow. state right now. Uh, we started 1815 with zero. So uh, we are very excited to take <laughs> nice. 75. That's a huge win in our tiny state. Yeah. Um, and a lot of those, like you said, are within clinic and between our Amcare pharmacist and um, the actual clinic. But um, 17 of those are with community pharmacies and um, individual providers so that's great it, it can happen but honestly yeah. it's a surprise most of the time mm -hmm. when it does it's like oh great news we had no yeah <laughs> yeah whenever we approach that with a community pharmacy they're like oh it's not needed and a couple of the clinics have even given the pharmacist access to their ehr without a cpa which is really surprising um you said you had a template for cpa would you be willing to share that tiffany that is our that was developed by our board of pharmacy and our pharmacist association um, prior to 1815 so i will reach out to them and see if that okay. is something that we uh, we can share but they had developed that when the collaborative practice agreement law went through um, our legislature mm -hmm. about five years ago they developed that so i'll just have to make sure with their legal folks that that's okay to share but i wouldn't see why it would be an issue great thank you all right i think that's all um the last question i had what was that Oh, in, in Colorado, we have a new law that is requiring uh, Medicaid reimbursement by pharmacists. It yeah. requires CPAs in order to be reimbursed. Yeah. So that is kind of the next uh, stage that we're working on. Uh, kind of, we've got that that, nice. that kind of north star that um, of, of reimbursement there for DSMES, um, and uh, we're um, we're moving into getting those uh, collaborative practice agreements. So it's, it's specific to DSMES? Uh, yes, it actually is. Yeah, it, it doesn't cover other 
other services. Um, and so who, who pushed that through? Was it the State Pharmacy Association or the diabetes program? Um, I, uh, I would have to get back to you on that. Yeah, um, that'd be interesting. Thanks. Any other comments on CPA or, or any other questions before we wrap up that you want to throw out to the group? Then the last thing I want to know is if you have any um, suggestions for future topics. As you know, we're now doing these nationally where anybody can join and um, we'll be holding them. I think it's quarterly. Well, Christelle, one of the struggles we've had is trying to work with American Indians and has anybody worked with mm -hmm. IHS and tried to get a project going? We get it you know, started, but then it, it fizzles out and we just don't know how to get the momentum to work with that. And we have seven reservations in Montana. So I don't know if any other state has tried to work with them. Yeah, so that would be like engaging and maintaining um, relationships with American Indians. We, we have done stroke campaigns and heart attack campaigns for decades with them, but in terms of um, like finite projects, it's a little harder to get those going or, or to get them to apply for it. So we did and it would have to be. We did one in North Dakota, one of our IHS facilities. Um, we did an MTM project, just like we were doing with all of our other community pharmacies. They're a rock star pharmacy though. So I have to say we partnered with them for one year. And I think we got, we learned more from that opportunity than they actually learned because again, they were, they were already doing a lot of the things we were asking them to do. So um, the actual lead pharmacist at that IHS facility has been a technical assistance uh, provider for our other community pharmacies throughout the last couple of years, just because they are just, they were just two rock stars. So, but with the other nice. uh, tribal entities in our state, we have had no luck, but their clinics are teeny tiny and don't, most of them do not have pharmacies within them. So mm -hmm. um, we have pretty limited capacity, but we got lucky yeah. with the one. <laughs> <laughs> were you able to fund them or was it more just a, a partnership? Uh, we actually don't fund any of our community pharmacies. Oh, nice. We only fund the students. So we give them student labor, <laughs> free labor. Oh. Uh, so hmm. we fund the students uh, with providing some housing assistance for the students to go to rural communities. And then, um, and then they, in turn, the pharmacy gets five weeks of free labor. So Nice. All right. Well, then we will wrap it up. And I really appreciate your time today.